just thankful that if you are a guest with us, that you're joining us, um, that it is hard to go to a new church. And um, there, there's all sorts of reasons to start to, to go to a church and look for churches and all these things. And um, I think the biggest thing is just being brave and doing it. So I just applaud you guys if, you know, if it's your first time or maybe you come back. We haven't scared you away, so that's good too. So um, we're excited that you guys are here. I'll be wrapping up um, a short series that we started in Ephesians, uh, really looking at Ephesians 3, and the, just the power of God. Um, and Paul just always goes back in Ephesians to the power of God. Um, and we're going to be in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 today. So if you have a Bible, you could flip there. We always tell our students on Wednesday nights, every Bible has a table of contents, and we're not too proud to use it. So if you don't know where Ephesians is, uh, you can find it in the table of contents. It'll also be on the screen. And we have a version on the Bible app that you can find live events um, and find us there. You'll see all the notes and everything. But um, this is a meaty section of Scripture. There is a lot to unpack, and honestly, we won't get to all of it. Um, today. So we're going to just pick out some of the, the big pieces and um, go from there. Um, I will say, as I was preparing for this message um, over the last few weeks, I just got a bad case of summeritis. You know, like, do y'all have that? Like, senioritis, but for adults, like, everything just feels, like, the AC feels good, the pool looks nice, you know, and we're just going on vacation a couple weeks and um, just everything. It's like, you know, during the summer, like, I love my kids so much. I really do. I have two kiddos, and they're, they're great, um, and I love them. But the thought of feeding them every day, it just, like, makes me want to, oh, stick a fork in my eye, you know? It's like, I don't, why do you all have to eat every day? So, um, you know, I'm just, I was just kind of, they're just unmotivated a little bit, just, you know, wanting to kind of float in the pool or whatever, and um, started kind of doing a thing that I hate, just like sticking stuff places, you know? Like you just have like random little piles in, in places. And um, like we all have that room. If you don't, I don't want to talk to you. Don't tell me how organized you are. I just want to believe we all have that room, okay? Or that closet or that drawer that if like someone opened it, it'd be like crushed, like hoarders, you know? Like it just falls on you or whatever. And I kind of started doing that. And if like, again, if you've been like, going crazy with your label maker, like, I don't want to hear about it. We've been hanging on day by day at the Forgy house, okay? So, um, but, like, even my husband's kind of on summer mode because, like, my job is to order the things from Amazon, and his job is to take the pile of boxes to the trash. And so that's our, those are our roles, you know? And so, like, even that's kind of lingered a little bit. So we, we're kind of, like, you know, on, uh, on a... On summer mode, and um, it's funny. I just think <laughs> all these things like happen. Like God's just funny in His sense of humor, and um, so I was preparing for this message, and I was really digging into the words, and I was reading commentaries and and looking at the certain meanings of words, and um, I was literally reading one, sitting on my bed, reading in the middle of the day. It's summer, we're just no rules, you know. And my friend Steph comes over and just comes in, and she like comes in my room, and like we have like a chair that's like our laundry chair. Do you guys have one of those where laundry goes to die? You know, just like goes and just it's there. She just kind of like shoves the laundry over, and like sits down, and um, as I'm reading, it talks about you know to dwell. And we're going to talk about this a little more. 
but to dwell in the Greek means to make a home, to allow the Lord to make a home. Is this me? Am I making weird noises? I'm hearing echoing. Is it me? I don't know. Okay. Are y'all hearing echoing? No? Okay. You guys are good. Okay. It's just me. ADD. Sorry. Um, but to dwell, I mean, it means to make a home. To um, a, One of the commentaries, like, to, for Christ to dwell in our hearts and have full access to our homes. Right? To have full access to the junk drawers, the junk closet, the junk room, whatever you got. To the, to the disaster places in our house. The places that we've, you know, stuck all these things. And it's funny, like, Steph comes in, shoves the laundry over, sits down. We're talking. I'm reading this. I got up really quickly and started, like, cleaning and straightening, getting our life together. It's kind of a stark reminder of that. So I, I wanted to start with that reminder this morning that um, as, we, as we get into God's word, that we... Um, that we let, like, we unlock those doors. Uh, we kind of let, you know, the things that we've been kind of keeping closed off to the Lord, we, we kind of let those get open this morning. Um, and he isn't worried about the piles and the messes or any of that stuff. Uh, he wants to move in and make sense of it all. And so as we, as we pray this morning together, I, I really want to pray for that. I've been very, very convicted and challenged over the last few months about the secret places in our lives that we have shut God out of. He knows them. We're just in denial about how dark they are. So I've really, really been convicted, and this passage of Scripture really kind of got, uh, got my business. So I just want to pray for us this morning before we get started. Will you guys join me? Father, I just thank you so much that um, you see beyond all of the things that we try to keep hidden. Lord, you see beyond the facade and the mask. Um, you see the mess, and you love us. You love us in that. But you love us enough not to leave us there. You want us to experience freedom from those places that we're keeping locked up. I just thank you for that. I thank you for the reminder of that today in Scripture. Lord, it is in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. So join me there. Okay. Verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power in your inner being through the Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Like I mentioned before, this is a pretty meaty passage of scripture. Um, and there's a, there's a lot to unpack. I, I love how Paul writes. There's, there's a couple things here. One, this is just like a, 
huge long run on sentence, like no grammar rules, like we're, he just keeps going, right? We're supposed to make sense of it. Um, but then also uh, you see for this reason in verse 14, but if you jump back up to Ephesians 3, 1, you see for this reason. So Paul has ADD. I appreciate that. It's kind of all over the place. He like started, went down a rabbit trail, and he's like circling back to, to put a bow on it. So um but he is writing to, to the church of Ephesus. And this, while in prison, and this church is really kind of bucking the cultural norm. There are, it's a very diverse church. Communities that would have never been in the same space together are now here planting this church. And Paul loves this church so much. And they're fighting for unity. They're fighting to forge a new way forward. And he is here. He is here to remind them of who Jesus is in this very powerful prayer. The first thing he talks about and stands out to me is that he says he kneels. It's not the norm in Jewish custom to kneel when they pray. This is where he is showing total submission to God. He's also invoking the imagery of family, okay, and that God is the head of the family. This is so powerful because, again, these populations were pitted against each other, they would never be considered family. Jews and Gentiles, family. He is saying, no, now you are all God's chosen family. This is very powerful words that Paul is speaking. And he's helping them reframe what they know from society. Uh, it's really beautiful. And Paul is held as a hero of faith. Okay? And yet he is turning everything heavenward, modeling total submission for this church and these people to say, like, listen, God is so powerful. He loves us so much. And there's nothing that I can do outside of that power. He's modeling that for the church here in this letter. And the overall theme is that of this prayer is that for believers to experience the fullness of Christ. By living a fully devoted, fully submitted life to God. He wants them to know how deeply they are loved. Um, and he also wants them to know that that is a choice for them. Like, God's not saying, oh, I can choose to love you. He's saying we have a choice to accept that love. He also knows that the love of Christ and what it does in our lives only can be experienced to be understood. So he's saying, like, you can have all of the knowledge and know all of the things, but until you experience it, you don't understand the depth of it. Okay? I don't know how many parents are in here, but I did not realize how crazy being a parent would make me. And... Um, not as many, oh, no amens on that one. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. Um, but so when we were having our first kiddo, you know, like I read all of the books, every book, the what to expect when you're expecting, the baby wise, the safety books. I did all the CPR training, all the emergency training. I filled out all the paperwork, all the things. Like I was like intellectually knew if there was an emergency with my child, I could handle it. Okay, I was going to be calm, cool, collected. I don't know why I thought that. I don't, I don't, I was, I didn't have a lot of self-awareness then, okay? But I got humbled really quickly. Uh, my daughter was five 
And my son was like maybe three, I think at this point. And um, my nephew was living with us, who was also three. They were like four weeks apart. So we had crazy twins. So um, one day I had a babysitter come over just to give me some time. And um, she took him out to the park. And so my daughter decided at five, she was sick of waiting around for her brother and her cousin to get it together. So she just said, I'm walking home and took off in our neighborhood. Okay. This park was like a good ways away. And so the babysitter called me, told me what happened. And at first I was like, okay, that's okay. I'll go find her. So I got in my car, started driving around. Okay, driving around, don't see her, drove the other way, don't see her, got out, called her name, knocked on some neighbor's doors, don't see her, don't see her, don't see her. Now, every book, every class says you stay calm, right? You let people know, okay? You stay in one place, okay, so they can find you, so you're not wandering out, you miss each other, whatever. Y'all, I lost my mind. I was driving around my neighborhood, like, with a window down, just screaming her name. Like, I wasn't even, like, look. I was just screaming her name. I was crying. I was hysterical. <laughs> My husband is at work. He's like, babe, you got to call 911. Like, we really did not know where she was. So I call 911. Hysterical. I'm sure this is on YouTube somewhere. It has to be. But, like, hysterical. And this operator has the nerve to be like, okay, well, what does your daughter look like? I don't know. Like, what is she wearing? I don't know. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, stop, just find her. And she's like, ma'am, you have to calm down. And the story ends fine, but, like, my neighbor calls. She's home. She's home. My, co- my house is, like, swarm with cops. Um, she's like, she's home. She's home. I literally drove to my house. I jumped out of the car. I didn't even put it in park. And, like, my friend is, like, really short and had, like, a Tahoe at the time. And she's, like, jumping in my car to, like, you know, put it in park. And, like, everything's fine. She's fine. She's a little red-faced and hot. And I was like, Brian, aren't you scared? And she's like, no, Mom, I'm not scared. Jesus is always with me. I'm never alone. I was like, oh, okay. We got to work. Okay. That's not, it's my own doing, you know. But, like, all of the things that, all the things that I thought I knew, all of the head knowledge that I thought I knew that was preparing me for this moment, out the window as soon as I experienced it. Out the window. And you'll get my point, but experience is what drives it home. And, and what we actually know, what we've actually internalized, do, do we actually know it? Experience is what drives it I actually knew nothing about emergency procedures and situations because I had no experience in them. And so you saw that, that my head knowledge really had no muscle memory. And Paul knows here that the love of Christ's experience is transformative. It changes everything. And so many of the people that he was writing to in Ephesus had an idea about God. They had an idea about Jesus, but they hadn't experienced it yet. So we can learn about Christ and not experience his love for us. So we're just really smart people, not transformed people. It transforms us from the inside out. Verse 18, may we be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the width, the height, and depth of God's love that surpasses knowledge. We have to be able to accept 
that God loves us. And we hear that in church. God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. We can intellectually say that, but do we actually believe it? Is it something that has transformed us? Has it changed our behaviors? That we can say, in spite of everything I've done, my darkest, my most secret, that God loves us. Not because of anything we have done or will do, because of who he is, his character, and that he has created us on purpose, for a purpose. He sees us as his kids, his masterpiece. And Paul is almost pleading here with the church to understand how deeply they are loved. He knows what they are facing and will be facing as believers. And he's praying for them to recognize these things that they need to accept, the, the things that they need to understand to accept that how deeply loved they are. And, and it's hard because there's, there's a couple things that I've picked out. Again, this is meaty, and we can spend a lot of time in this passage, but I'm just plucking out a few things that I want us to focus on. The first thing that Paul's saying, you need to recognize this so you can comprehend how deeply loved you are is they need to recognize the power they have access to. To recognize the power they have access to. It is allowing the Holy Spirit that dwells in us in the moment of salvation to make a home and transform our lives, our behaviors, our thoughts. Giving us the power to strengthen our inner being. Y'all, that's, that's, that's big. Okay, In the Greek, this power is kratos. I'm not, probably not saying that right. If Jolene's in here, she'll fix it for me. But it's kratos. It's a ruling power, a dominating power, an overwhelming power. That's the power that we see here in these verses. In verse 16, strengthen with the power in your inner being. It is power that is strong enough to overcome opposition. This is so hugely important for us to understand that we have things in our life that have significant power over us. It could be um, idols. It could be sin, shame. It could be other people's words and actions. We have significant thing, uh, power, significant. We allow things to have significant power over us. So the power that God gives us through the Holy Spirit has to be one that can withstand and break strongholds. It has to have dominion. That means power, ruling power over our lives. And the Holy Spirit has this divine power that can break strongholds that can cause us to withhold or withdraw from love. We just don't feel like we're worthy of it, and that power of the Holy Spirit breaks those lies down. That's ruling power. That is power that will not give up God's territory. That's a power that he's praying for us to allow to strengthen our inner being, to strengthen our hearts. Our inner being here is the center of us body, mind, and soul. This is the center here. This is a power that can transform our hearts. He's praying for our inner being to be strengthened. Man, don't we need in the noise of the world today a power 
that can drown out the powers around us. That's the type of power that lives in us. So they have to recognize the power they have access to. Then they have to recognize the intimacy that they are called to. And we're called to an intimate relationship with God. And intimacy means like closeness, familiarity, to be completely known. We circle back to Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, to make a home, to open every drawer, every space, every closet, every part of our life is open to the work of the Holy Spirit in total submission, like we see in Paul kneeling down in front of the Lord in total submission. There is something incredibly powerful and freeing about being completely known. That there's nothing to hide. There's nothing holding us back in the dark. There's nothing that we have to keep secret. Now listen, you don't have to tell everybody your business. I get it. But somebody needs to know your business. Because Christians, here's the unique thing about Christians. And, and we've talked about this as a staff. I've been just mulling over this as, as time and time again. That, that we, how do Christians stand uniquely in this world? You know, they're kind, they're loving, or, you know, whatever. We, we want to have all these characteristics. You know what I think is unique about Christians? Confession. Confession. That we have a God, we recognize we have a God who knows all things. He sees in those dark places. There's nothing secret from him. But he wants us to recognize it. Confession is hugely important for our own growth, our own inner being. It isn't denial or ignoring or justifying those dark strongholds when we are confessing. It is to say, I want to be completely known. And there's something freeing about that. If you have lived with secrets and they have come out, even though it may have been hard, once we can look back, there's freedom to breathe again. There's freedom there. And I believe that um, it's not just saying that, you know, we have to live in this closeness with, with God. We, we do. We have to have these intimate relationships with the Lord. But in verse 18, it says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints that we need to be in relationship with other believers. See, Paul here is praying for experience. That's what he's praying for. He's praying for experience. Our individual experiences of God are limited but being a part of the family of believers to learn to see how God works in them and through them shows us how truly great he is those experiences and perspectives grow us i will tell you there has been nothing greater in my to, to strengthen my faith than being in community with other believers to watch people Walk this stuff out. That has changed my life because it's not a theory anymore. It's not a book I'm reading to get smarter. I'm actually experiencing, I'm walking with people who are going through it with grief and loss and pain and trauma. 
And they are walking through it and on their knees crying, weeping, praising God for what he continues to do. Y'all, when you watch somebody walk through something hard and lean into faith, it is not fake it till you make it. It is, this is what I am clinging to. This is the only thing that is supporting me and holding me up is this. It will change your life. The prayer here is for experience. It's to to stand under the faith of other people. When I'm in the weeds, my family over the last six months has walked through the hardest time we've ever walked through in my entire life. The hardest thing. And to stand under other people's faith when I was on my knees begging changed my life. There was a point in, my, in the last few months where I was like, I don't think I can do ministry anymore. There's nothing happened here. It's personal. It's not my story to tell. But it, it's, I just felt like I don't have the capacity to do it. And people around me that knew what I was going through, they felt that. And I think I began to even speak it out to a couple people, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I don't know if I can help minister. I don't know if I can lead. And someone sent me a message. I'm literally sitting in the bathtub crying, and I get a link to a message from somebody saying, I need you to watch this because you've got to hold on. You've got to keep going. They were believing it for me. That experienced picked me up. That's what moved me forward. Do we have people that can look in our closets? Do we have people that can come over and scoot the pile and sit down and say the words that you can confess the things to? Because that is what will strengthen us. And also God works through people. God's so faithful to work through people when we are in honest, open relationships. Now, it might not be a bunch of people. It might be one. But that's enough. Paul is telling us that we cannot even comprehend Christ's love on our own. You cannot do it in isolation. That is what he's saying here. You need other believers to help you. Third is he's saying, praying that we recognize the capacity we need. The capacity He prays for the church to have increased spiritual capacity, ability to hold, so that they may be filled with the fullness of God. Even our capacity will still end up too small. Our spiritual growth comes from the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, our obedience to spiritual disciplines, developing intimate relationships with God through his word and with his people will expand our ability to experience what he has for us in this life. I can look back now and I can see the greatness of God's love and how he has worked in my life, but at the moment, I couldn't see it. You guys have that? 2020 is a gift sometimes. But I couldn't see it then. I didn't have the capacity to see God working in those moments. He is praying for us to understand the depth, the length, the width, the height of God's love in Jesus. 
And he's wanting them to understand something that is beyond their capacity to understand. He's saying, good luck. You need people to help you. God is inexhaustible. There's no end to knowing him. You know, it's like, what do you do when you get done reading the Bible? You flip it over, you start over. I mean, that's how you, you just keep growing and growing and learning and learning. It's inexhaustible. We will never learn all there is to learn or experience all there is to experience in God. Never. So it's, it's important that we continue to grow so we can continue to understand. It's important for us to stand. So, so all these things, power, intimacy, capacity, why do we need these things? What are we being challenged to do here? What, why is it important for us to understand God's greatness, or great love for us? And I think there's three things. And again, this is me. There's a lot here. But there's three things that stuck out to me. The reason why we need to understand the power that we have access to develop an intimate relationship and develop capacity is because it helps us find holiness in ordinary moments. It helps us find holiness in ordinary moments. The deeper I grow in my relationship, the greater capacity I have to see God working in ordinary moments. See, I don't know about you, but as a, as a younger believer, I wanted the big moments. I had big moments. Restoration of my marriage, having children, healing of generational sin. Man, like I had some big moments. And they were awesome. But don't miss this. And those are important. And we may you may have some big moments that you're like, wow, it's a holy moment right here. A moment set apart, set apart for a reason. But God is working all the time in us and through us. And there's holy moments and ordinary moments. The people that love my kids, I text my kid. My kid just had her birthday, 17. I'm like, oh my God, how do I have a 17-year-old? Okay. But happy birthday from adults that just love her, show up for her. I see, I see God's holiness when my kids look at their parents loving each other. I didn't see that. I give my husband a kiss and my son's like, ugh, smiling. There's holiness there. I see faithfulness every single week. We have a gentleman, uh, his name is John, and he is um, in charge of our facilities. Literally comes in every week and asks me what I broke this week. Like literally every week. What'd you break? Is John in here? Yeah, right. Don't you? I, it's always me too. So he's like, what'd you break? But every week he comes in and you guys might see him. And he's walking around and he's looking at things and he's checking things out. And like, like there's just holiness in that moment of no one knows he's doing that. But he shows up every single week. And, and like, I think of Linda, a lady named Linda. She goes in and she decorates all the bulletin boards for our kids' classrooms every week. And, and uh, Luana and Andy, and like, they're just so pray, prayerful and faithful and praying for our church every week. And like, we had a friend that brought hair dryer for people after they were getting baptized. Like, hey, they're getting baptized. They're coming in with soaking wet hair. Here's a hair dryer. 
I mean, like, I could literally spend the rest of the time up here telling you of all these ordinary things, of parking guys, rain, sleet, snow, Texas is trying to kill us right now, like, out, waving, smiling, just, like, because they love the Lord and they want you to feel loved and seen. Like, those are holy moments. And we miss them. We can miss them. So our capacity continues to grow, and we can see God working in all of those things. We get to recognize, man, that's God. That's God working through them. That's what that is. So we find holiness in ordinary moments. We have faith in the mystery of life and the mess of life. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask for according to the power that works in us and to him be the glory. The one who is greater than all, who can do all things in our lives, lives in us. And that is not a platitude. That doesn't just go on a coffee cup. There's power, the power of Christ that can do more than we could ever imagine. And y'all, there are going to be things that knock us in the teeth kick us in the gut, knock the breath out of us. The power that lives in us is sustaining. It holds. It holds. And we can confidently face what the world is bearing down on us because there's no greater power. There's no greater dominion power, ruling power in the world than the power of Christ. And our confidence is built on that growing understanding what we've experienced as a family in the last few months, if I had experienced that five years ago, I don't know if I would be here. So the work that God has been doing in my life has grown my capacity and my confidence in God's character. Christians stand uniquely in this world because we know how it all ends. We know who wins in the end. We know there's victory coming and there's confidence in that that this will not take us under. So we don't have to spend our time here on earth being God's attorney. He didn't need one. We get to spend it being his advertisement. Telling the world when it is totally wackadoodle, this is what stays. This is what holds. This is what's truth, and this is what's powerful. We have peace in that. It is supernatural. We don't get it. There is mystery there. But we get to the point where we have the capacity, we have the intimacy, we've developed this, where we can have confidence in the mystery and the mess. Lastly, I think that we have to have understand the power we have access to, have capacity, have intimacy, so we don't miss the miracles in front of us. Paul calls for a strengthening of the inner being. Y'all, there is no greater miracle no greater miracle than a transformed soul. There's no greater miracle than someone coming from the depths of pain and sin and darkness and standing in the world transformed. We want to see the, the outward miracles. But what God wants more than anything is a changed life. That is the greatest miracle that, bring God, that brings God every bit of glory, and he chooses us to do it in. Don't miss that. God is glorified by a changed life. And here's the craziness of all of it. 
We get to be a part of it. See, what grows in us grows out of us. Love in, love out. Changed people, change people. We hear these things, but there's generational, eternal life change happening when a life is transformed by the love of Christ. And here is a part of the miracle that that we should be so compelled by what has been done for us that we are walking miracles that we get to tell people about it. Like we can't not tell people about it. Our selfishness over our own lives dies, which is the best death we could wish for. It's a death of our selfishness. And we begin to care so deeply about other people's souls. Because we understand you are an awaiting miracle. So may we be so in love and full of Christ that it just splashes on everybody around us. We cannot contain it. But help us remember that miracles are not free. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. Miracles are not free. They have been bought and paid for. And it's through the complete work of Jesus on the cross that we stand here as miracles. A walking testament to the goodness and power of God.